Hey everybody, this is Louis Extravaganza. And Kim Blackwell. And this is Work, the podcast. Today, we have the amazing Kevin Stay, everybody. Thank you for having me. Let's start from the beginning. And let's act like, you know, we don't know Get Kevin. Get out of my house. What are you doing here? Right. Get out of my house. What are you doing here? I did not uh, sanction you to be here. Where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Hollywood. Uh, I lived uh, in many different cities. Oh, wait. I didn't know you were born in Hollywood. I, I thought you were Hollywood. born in some faraway, like, mystic land where the sea meets the sky. Well, that's what press would have you believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. that, that, that's um, his press kit, y'all. I was born in Hollywood. Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm, a, I'm a native. I'm an unusual uh, unicorn native of Hollywood. And then I moved away to Oregon at one point, well, Michigan first with family and then to Oregon to get away from metropolitan Los Angeles because of nuclear war. Literally, that's why we moved to Oregon was because my mom was afraid of nuclear war. And I heard she'd heard that Eugene was the safest place in the U.S. Wow. <laughs> wow. From like irradiation and, and fallout and all that kind of stuff. That's the, that's the real truth. That's that's the anxiety <laughs> I, of the 80s and 70s. <laughs> I love how me and Kim are just like <laughs> like what? <laughs> like what? <laughs> my whole my whole school, my whole community was very, you know, kind of hippie and and very um protesty. Yes. I was just going to ask. Mom sounds like maybe a little hippie back in the day. So Hippie adjacent. Yeah, hippie adjacent. She likes the clothes, didn't want to go barefoot. Okay. That is hysterical. But wait, and I only asked this because looking at Kevin stay, he looks, you know, of Asian descent. So your mom was Caucasian. My mom's Caucasian of Welsh descent. Um, my dad is Chinese from China, from the north of China. And when you moved to Oregon, did your dad, was the dad in the picture? Did he move with you? No, my father, my father and mother got married, but they never really lived together. They kind of were like best friends that had a kid, really. Uh, and so uh, when I was like four, that was the last time I saw my dad. Like they were kind of sharing custody back and forth and he was moving all around the country and they had a little falling out and a misunderstanding, a true misunderstanding just by words like it was over something like she said four days he thought four months and then he was like i'm done <laughs> oh, oh it was like a language barrier thing and literally that was it um and uh so by the time we moved to oregon i he, she was already married to my stepdad david stay that's where i got my, my okay. last name from okay See, mystery solved. You heard it here first on work, the podcast. I mean, really. Yeah, because I'm like... Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see my real dad from when I was four until I was 18. Now, knowing a little bit about you, my darling, you've had a little windy, twisty road growing up. I mean, being biracial, living on your own at an early age, trying to find your proverbial footing, and even trying your hand at gymnastics. But what I want to talk about is your first foray into dancing, which started in, of all places, Singapore, where you were accepted into this special program at the United World College of the American West. And so you start dancing through this I start dancing. You know, I start dancing in, in Singapore uh, just for fun because uh, people kept asking me to join their shows. And they saw that I could do all these gymnastics and things, and I kind of 
And then I started sort of thriving on like that. It was something I could do the attention. Right. It felt a little sexy too. I was feeling my oats a little. Yeah. The dance and gymnastics and the physical stuff became something that I could identify with and, and embrace as my own. And yeah. And it'd be and your own. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it, and it did, I had a, had a lot of fun and I kept going through that. I didn't take my first dance class till I got to Los Angeles. And you are how old were you? Yeah. I was LA. 17 when I arrived. And so I was just turning 18. You took your first dance class. First dance class. At 17. At 17. And you get hired on the Blonde Ambition Tour as an assistant choreographer and you're the dance captain. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like what? Two, two years later. Two years later. Okay, so what happens after you start taking dance? Were you still, were you thinking at this point that this may be something you want to do? Nah. No. Just for, <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> I only took, here's the thing. I only took dance class because in Singapore, this English teacher, who wasn't even my English teacher, after I did this, I taught myself the routine to nasty Janet Jackson. I taught it to myself in the mirror playing a videotape. Right. Well, I performed it at school at an assembly thing. First, why? Like, I'm just showing off. I don't know what it is. I just wanted to do it. I just had to dance that, that routine. You can, yeah. have, you can have astronomy. I have nasty. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> So I performed it and then literally I just got off stage. I walk out of the thing and it was, people loved it. And then I was like, wow, this is really cool. I feel really like proud. Right. <laughs> like I didn't have the word for it. I feel proud of myself. Right. Well, I walk outside and meet this, this, this English teacher and she, she just has to say something to me. She's like, well, you know, I just want you to tell, I just want to tell you, you know, that's not really dance. Uh, dance is really, you know, there's a lot of amazing dancers out in the world, and that's not really dance. And okay. you know, I just want you need to, you should know that, you know, that's just not really dance. And I was like, what? <laughs> first of all, why? I didn't say this. I was like, why are you telling me this? First of all, yeah, hate it. And what? Well, then secondly, I'm like, well, what? What is? What is dance then? If this isn't dance, what is dance? And right. thirdly, I've never taken a class in my life, so how would I even know? I feel proud of myself anyways. I taught myself this. Yeah. Nobody showed me this, taught this, blah, 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 blah. I taught myself this. So, screw you. And your pin that you're trying to stick in my balloon. Thank you. I, yeah. I remember like just like thinking, what, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so when I got to USC... It, and and gymnastics was taken. I couldn't get into the class, and and there were all these other things that were taken, and I, I wasn't able to get anything. And I saw the dance class, and I said, "Hey, well, let me find out what the fuck dance really is, and if I can do it or not." Okay, so you came here to go to USC. Yeah, you for, got it to for business and cinema. Okay, not even dance related at all. No. Are you thinking you want to do something like in the film industry? Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, my friend Jason went came and he, he was in the he was in the film uh, production. Uh, when you call it office anyways. Yeah. And I, I, I always admired everything he did. And so I was like, that piqued my interest. I'm like, well, if he's doing film, I'll do film. And then my mom was the one going, you should do business. And I was like, well, okay, maybe entrepreneurship. Cause creatively entrepreneurship sounds interesting and yeah. creating right. new products and things like that. And then I got into it and I was like, Oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all this economics bullshit and all this blah. Uh, it's just, it was yes. miserable. So I think you probably got the confirmation. Now I'm a creative person. I'm a creative person. Well, yes. I thought I could do business creatively. Right. And that's when I thought, well, maybe producer, producer yeah. film, you know, something of that nature. Um, but yeah, it, <laughs> that was really for my mom more than me. Well, that's what a lot of college is about. Yeah. Yeah. It's like finding oh. your way that you're like, wait, I didn't want no. No. That's, that's not my dream. <laughs> I really wanted to kind of major in like, you know, yeah, exactly. You end up being like a lawyer because your parents 
you know, wanted you to be yeah. a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, like, they certainly didn't want me to be a dancer. Uh, no, I, I think no. for a lot of parents that isn't the dream for exactly the reason that this English teacher felt compelled to tell you that is people and why, you know, that whole GMA thing like blew up because I think that is the, the percent it's like, what? but yeah, he'll get over that. He'll get over that. And people don't understand. It's just a lack of understanding. Um, and that, well, what kind of career are you going to have? And also at the time when you started dancing, which you have been like, you've had this amazing longevity as a dancer. I mean, I can't think of anybody else who has been able to have such a long career. Obviously you've done other things, but just you're still dancing. So you've really seen it evolve so much and what opportunities there are and how there's this appreciation. And I think this, um, there's just much more available. Yeah. And you've also seen the benefit of seeing your passion, you know, to fruition, right. And the longevity of dance in your life. Whereas sometimes parents don't see that in their kids, you know? So when they say, Oh, you don't want to be a dancer. You want to be a doctor. It's just like, well, how do you know that that me being a dancer won't be just as successful as me being a doctor? I could be a horrible doctor. Well, you can't see that though. It's like that. It feels like security. Right. It feels like this is something where, and they know it, they understand it. You have a a degree, you have a piece of paper that says you're a doctor. Well, imagine, imagine Kim Kardashian. I want to be a social media star like who would have thought that would have been the most lucrative job in the world yeah you you exactly. can't envision that it's and just, now she wants to be existed. a lawyer and now, and now yeah exactly but go, go at Kim, the time you guys Kimmy. you were right on the cusp of seeing like all of the old you know the 80s it was really about you were probably if you wanted to be a dancer you were going to join a company or you were going to be you know a, a ballet dancer right there was a even you know now with pop stars there's there's touring there's back in the day when you saw you know michael jackson this is michael jackson yeah there were and maybe three the jacksons maybe yes maybe now you know with blonde and you know with all these pop stars who came out in the the 80s and the 90s janet jackson you know all all of a sudden there was much much more, there's more opportunity work, more opportunity yeah yeah and that was the path that i was going towards when I was dancing and going to the high school of performing arts and, you know, like having my scholarships at Ballet Hispanico and Alvin Ailey, I was going the dance company route. Right. Because for me at that time, that was like the stamp of success. Like get into a company, you tour with the company, you you cultivate that become you know principal dancer this that the other blah 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 yeah and so when this other stuff started falling into my plate and my lap you know all the opening up the club thing voguing thing of course that sounded more exciting and more sexy for me so we went you know i started kind of gravitating that way yes well, that was a brutal life. Company life is brutal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I see these kids who are working all day long, like killing their bodies and oh, yeah. making nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nothing. Like, no wonder they're skinny as a stick. And <laughs> Yeah. You might you know? go do the little opening number at the Academy Awards, Debbie right. Allen, back yeah. in the day. You know, you might do a little <laughs> that side gig. But that was, you know. Yeah. So you 
go through USC? Do you complete the dance program and all that good stuff? No, I never. I never did the dance program. I just went to USC. Just I was going there for my my general education requirements right. and starting to get into the cinema stuff. And uh, and it was a year in, and I decided to take a year off. I wanted to go travel. I wanted to take my friend, and we were going to go. My friend never got his money together, so I ended up staying in Los Angeles just taking classes because the teacher at USC uh, offered me a scholarship at his little studio because he's like, you have some potential. I'd love to see you taking more classes and getting more training. And so I would travel over to his studio and take classes there for free. Um, Thankfully, thank God. Thank you, Mark Lawrence. Um, And that kept me through the whole year. I was just training. Like I had nothing else to do. I was just sitting around. Um, And you loved it. I did love it. I did Did, love it. At that time, did you say to yourself, wow, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do? No, it never still didn't occur to me that it was something I could make a living at. Although yeah. I did start seeing people that had, there were a couple potential jobs that came up. Like one was like a cruise ship um, with uh, Tony Basil. And I, like I had to audition for Tony Basil like, really early on. We love Tony Basil. And I remember Basil. thinking, oh my God, how fabulous and amazing. Get on a cruise ship and go traveling the world and dancing in a show. And like how exciting that was. And yeah. Uh, and, that was like, wow, that's, a, or even Disney. I remember thinking, wow, Disney, I could dance at Disney and dance on the street and do the whole thing. How fun and, and amazing actually make some money. But for me at that time, it was like, I was living on, you know, 50 bucks a month. So any money would have been amazing money. Um, and I was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't have it like it could be a career. I just had it like, wow, wouldn't it be a great chance to have to do that show once or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't until uh, I was really desolate <laughs> that um, everything sort of fell in place for me where it, just by sort of by chance, um, you know, I had uh, ran out of money completely that year. And after three days and just starving, 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 I, I raided a friend's movie set. They're performing at a movie and I went to go visit the set, quote, quote, and then I brought an overcoat and I shoved all this food in my pockets, everything I could. I ate everything I could from their craft surface. I was like watching the scene from the side and going, oh, that's great. Nom, 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 nom. Thank <laughs> you. That's great. It looks great. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> oh, no. That's when I realized it's a little more dire than, you know, like I couldn't, I don't think I could go another three days without eating like that. It was just too much. Um, what did you I, do? That's when I broke down and asked my mom, uh, to bail me out a little. Yeah. And I'd always lived in the sense of like, we have no money, there's no money to spend. So right. why would I ever ask? Right. Um, even if I'm starving, dying, I wouldn't be asking because I, I was growing up with that headset, with that mindset. Um, and so I finally asked and her one thing was, you have to get a job, a real job, <laughs> real job, quote, quote, <laughs> right. a real job. And um, so she'll give you the money that you're asking for if you get a real job. She'll pay off my my rent bill because I was living at USC housing this whole time. I just because I could put it on a bill and didn't have to pay for it. Uh, right. I was living on the housing and she's like, I'll pay off that bill if you go get a job. And I was like, uh, OK, you don't believe in me, mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> you I, never I, loved me. But I'd been I had I'd, yeah, I, here's the thing. I earlier that year I had again, ran out of money and heard about an audition for an agent, went to the audition, signed with the agent, which was Julie McDonald, got an audition the next day, 
got the audition, shot the job the next week, made more money in that week than I had for, the, you know, six months. I was like, I'm going to make money and this is my life. And so that summer, I didn't work at all, <laughs> but I I, th- I had this potential of, of money and work and other work. And I had an agent now and I was like, wow, there's actually potential work. And so right. I'm going to try really hard and get this and try really hard. And I wasn't getting any jobs at all. Because She's a dan- dance agent. Dance agent, right. yeah. But I looked like five years old twink fantasy (laughs) it was not really the look of the day um so are you even going on auditions or is it just like you're not getting any no i was going on lots of auditions but i just looked way way too young yeah way too young yeah and i thought did you ever get the job the job job that your mom asked you to get i did what was the job i went out and got a job at taco bell (laughs) (laughs) down on the corner at taco bell because it was walking distance right and because I like Taco Bell, <laughs> send me free Taco Bell, Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> I'm working for Taco Bell right now, actually. I'm doing a job for them on Monday. Um, <laughs> full circle. Full circle. Listen, high school, I lived at Taco Bell. I even knew like what it cost every day. Combination burrito with sour cream, two tacos and a Pepsi. First it was three oh three, and then they raised the price a little bit, and it went to three thirteen. Same. Yep. It was all I could afford. It's all I could afford. I just th- and I thought if I go there, I'll get free food. Yeah. <laughs> no. What? No, they make you pay for your food. They make you pay for your freaking outfit. That's ridiculous. I had to pay a hundred dollars for that stupid polyester like brown shirt and brown pants. Oh my god! Please tell me you still have that. I don't, but I oh. had it for the longest time because I kept it as a Halloween costume. Yes. And I'd pop it on every now and then. <laughs> but I got the job. I worked there literally just two days. Okay. I know. So it wasn't that I was. I uh, was beneath me. No, it wasn't like that at all. I got. I went. I worked. I was like washing windows. They didn't even let me around the food at that point. They let me around the windows. And I came home after the second day. And on my machine, there were like six or seven different messages from my agent. Each one that I booked another job that of the of the jobs I had auditioned for the past three weeks. Wow. I got all of them. Everything I would auditioned for. All the same time. All the same day. And I was just like what what it was like a movie a tv show a commercial an industrial like it was just i couldn't believe it and they all worked out they all fit like space wise in the dates and everything and so i just never went back i didn't even pick up the check no why would you all of us you're like listen it was all going to go to the cost of the outfit anyway (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) how did you how did you come to blonde ambition um it was literally only a couple months after that very moment. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I got all those jobs. I did all those jobs. I ended up working with Jerry Evans and Michael Peters and Vince Patterson all in that period. And um, it was like, that was like an end of September in October. And then I think in November, December was the audition for Madonna. And it was nationwide. Like they put it in the papers and all the trades and the agencies knew everything. It was on the news. Um, I didn't know any of that. You didn't? I didn't. Oh, well, I didn't know that it there. was. I didn't know that it was like in the paper and holding auditions and stuff like that. Like literally, when we did our Diddy, it was like in a private. You know, they opened up the club for us, and then you know, she was like, "Why don't you come down to this audition?" We were into our own thing at the time, right? So we didn't really. So we get to the audition, we're like, "Oh wow, there's a lot of people here. Good for you, girl. Y'all looking Good for some for dancers." You. Like I didn't know the gro- the the magnitude of what was, you know, what this was going to be. Which is probably good going into it like that without all this stuff hanging over. Yeah, which, I think so. I mean, yeah. you know, I was going, the kind of auditions that I was going to at the time just for me because we were in this like 
dance company world were dance company auditions and they're way different different and smaller and you're actually taking like a ballet class or a modern class so it's not like this for lack of a better term a free-for-all where everybody can come and audition and you know try to get this job so when we get to this audition and we see all these people we're like oh no you go girl you (laughs) you really doing something yes you're probably gonna be a star or something yes Good luck, exactly. girl. Good, Good luck, luck to you, right? Good yes. luck to you. <laughs> Aren't you lucky you have us? <laughs> <laughs> so what is the audition like? When you have a big audition like that, what is, are they pairing you up like with different combinations? Are you learning a certain, how does well, it Well, now work? they would. Okay. But back then for this particular audition, yes. I'd never been into anything even remotely close to this. I didn't even realize that she was that popular, but there was, I mean- hundreds, hundreds, hundreds over the, over the course of days, there were thousands of people that came in and she would show, she would do one group of 40 at a time. She was there sitting on the floor with her little glasses and Nikki and somebody else. I don't think it was Donna, but it was Nikki and was running the audition. Okay. And she taught us the simplest routine ever, which is just street like club moves. It was like Robocop, Roger Rabbit, trooping, like really basic stuff. If so you just if you've see... been in a club. Yes. If you was... haven't been dancing in a club, you may not have even known what these were, and that would have been pretty daunting, I think. But forty at a time, and she would say, You stay, thank you, everybody. Forty at a time. Forty at a time. And she she never took more than one person out of every forty. Well, two, maybe more than two out of every forty. Wow. Wow. So at this point, are you is it more she's looking for a look, she's looking for a vibe, she's looking for your own like personal little style. At that point, I had no freaking clue. Because it would seem so random and it was like so off the cuff. You were doing so little to be chosen from. And some people were just so freaked out they were hiding in the back until they were ready to go but by that point it was too late she already chose who she wanted just from watching you learn it yes i mean thankfully nikki pulled me out she's like this is how you do the robocop she like pulled me out just to point me out and that's i think that's the only reason i got to stay was because i was right up front i had fearless i knew the robocop i was in it you know but then we had that was just the first cut okay then out of all of that we had like 260 people calculate that right two people out of every 40 left with 260 right and we had another whole day or two days of auditions where we learned different types of routines and one of them being a vogue routine and actually she said we're going to learn a vogue routine and i was like what the (laughs) fuck is voguing what are you talking about and this is carol armitage not vince patterson but carol armitage a modern choreographer who also had no idea how to vogue so she's telling us she's teaching us a voguing combination but she doesn't know how to vogue and so she doesn't really know how to show it so we don't know how to do it because we don't even know what she's doing right no, because voguing at that time this it was seriously an underground totally thing underground. now and you're East seeing Coast. it in choreography yeah. and stuff like that well, but and then, it was ultra i mean it was ultra specific so yes really, really specific at the time and again not in the mainstream right because we're all doing it on the east coast at all late you know in the early morning I don't know anybody in that room who knew what she was talking about when she said, now we're going to do a voguing routine. Everyone everyone looked, turned to each other like, what? "What?" That's fascinating. And was this in LA? This is in LA. Yeah. And to have her demonstrate it, who doesn't know how to vogue at all? Nope. Was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why? What is voguing? What is this? What voguing is? I don't care. Are you playing a trick on me? It's what is happening? <laughs> well, it's interesting that it went down, like because I would have. It it would seem 
that she would have gotten you guys first and then you would have shown the... She kind of did. Okay. But she kind of was just waiting to see if if we knew what it was. Okay. You know, I think that was more the... Because you guys already were in. Oh, I didn't. I don't know. (laughs) You were in, I'm sure. She knew. Yeah, again, you know, it it was so encapsulated for us. I didn't know what was going on on the quote-unquote outside. We was just like this private meeting. We went to this audition, and then I didn't hear anything else because we were doing other gigs. And so then we get the call from a lawyer, and they were like, you're in. And we were like, okay. So where do do we go? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) You gonna tell us where to go? Yeah. Because I hadn't had that experience of like what Kevin was going through in Los Angeles with the auditions and the agents. I didn't have any of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any of that. Right. So. Because she knew for you guys, she's specifically looking for Vogers. Like she wants you right. guys. She's heard of you. She knows who you are. And she's picked you guys out, like selected you from for, the. Well, yeah. From And then she was pleasantly surprised that we knew actually knew how to dance and had these ballet and modern dance backgrounds and we were not just street dancers as she thought we were right and so it's funny because you know she's thinking we're street dancers and we're like street dancers <laughs> girl we never dance in the street okay. you Excuse know like me. i don't know what you talking about but yeah. okay we are do trained. we have the gig or not <laughs> Like, I think we were all chosen off of you guys. I'm really? Sure, I'm positive you guys were already hired, already in, and that we were, the West Coast was the second, the second the audition. Second oh, okay. Yeah, second so, two, 260, now at this point, you guys are learning this, you, this voguing Well, we're learning jazz combos and right. various other things, and then we, they come up with, the, I think the last one was a voguing combo. Okay. I And I just, I did had no concept of what she was trying to show us. <laughs> I look like an absolute fool. I did what I could, but it just didn't it, didn't, it didn't work. She wasn't looking at me at all. Okay. You know, she already knew who she wanted. She already seen, I think she'd already pulled Oliver and Gabriel down to sit with her and chat and they were like talking. And, right. And, and they were like, well, anyone who wants to do any improv freestyle stuff, now's your chance. <laughs> okay. Out of, this, out of all this whole 200 Well, no, people? they'd cut down okay. over, through the day. There were like maybe 40 left. Wow down from that two or whatever down to 40 and, she, and of course it's really in your face where she's sitting on the floor talking to these two that she's obviously chosen you're like okay there's only how, so, so, so. I, mean, I can't how, remember how if, if carlton was down there too but it was like it was she was already talking to the people that she yes. wanted and she wasn't even watching when we were doing the freestyle but i was like screw it i'm gonna do it anyways this is my only chance i'm gonna do my freestyle and so i did everything i could like i mean i whipped out every style i had learned over the past two years and just you as, a, as everybody doing together or you guys no no one at a time one at a time i i did my gymnastics i flipped i tapped i mean not, i'm not even a tapper i just know i can <laughs> right. do a time step i popped out a time step <laughs> and a butterfly and then i like, and then i was doing african and thai moves and and kicking and turning and like i did everything okay you're like possible. i'm gonna bring it around the world i did okay. i was like here's a here's a repertoire <laughs> yes i'll give you here's Some belly repertoire. dancing yeah what you well, want she, she didn't watch she didn't no. even look <laughs> right. yeah. i know i was like okay great got that whatever i i i laid it on the floor for you here yes um but then as i was walking out um nikki and chris Chaconi were both by the door and they're like wow that was really amazing you did a great job okay 
great. At least I, I did what I could. If she doesn't want me, whatever. I'd rather work with Janet Jackson anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was literally my mindset. I was like, I want to work with Janet. That was it. Um, and uh, it wasn't until weeks later that I got the call to come in as, as associate choreographer. And I didn't know what that meant. I, so you... Vince Patterson, he was... No. Was he it a choreographer? Was, it was Carol Armitage, the modern choreographer from New York, the friend of Madonna's that was still the choreographer. Okay. And so when when they called me up, I was to be her assistant. Had you ever worked with her before? No, I just saw her in the audition and I was very confused. I mean, I'm sure she's very sweet and everything, but I didn't. Have, we didn't have none of the same vocabulary. I didn't know how, how to interpret what she was asking from me. And so when we got into the rehearsal space... It was it was like foreign language. I'm like, what do you want out of this? Like, well, yeah, you see, you that freestyle was too good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I don't understand. But it wasn't just me who didn't understand because <laughs> Louis and Jose. <laughs> yeah, but you're we're also assistant choreographer. We're, we're trying to we're, we're trying to prepare for the Vogue video. Yes. And Carol's going, let's do this and that and this and punch with the arm and here. Okay, and so Ho- that's coming first. The the Vogue video shot before you guys go on tour. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I was still I wasn't a part of one of the dancers yet at this point I was still just the assistant okay and she's trying to teach them a combo and trying to come up with some voguing whatever and she's so not a voguer yeah and they're off in the corner of alley cat studios in the doorway the doors are open they have their cigarettes there <laughs> smoking <laughs> smoking the cigarettes going tell me when you're done <laughs> I'm not doing that I'm not doing that no ashing at her and like I don't know what that's I don't recall that you were a terror I don't recall that at all it's like you're talking about Vogue like you know Future legends, and well, she's I mean, up here punching a arms. A choreographer doing things that were not Vogue at all in yes. front of actual Voguers, right? Trying to tell them do this. Mm-mm. Okay, so when do you are you guys like? Okay, look. <laughs> she, they didn't have to. Can Madonna, we? Madonna was there watching, and she was like, mmm, "You're fired." Yeah. Like she, she literally fired Carol right there. Wow. Not not because they're not friends or anything, but because she's well, not. And not she in, could not. That and was not in not front of us. Yes. Like the, it was in a drunk. Right. I don't think she did that in front of us. No, right? No, no. Oh, okay. No, she wasn't like you're fired. No, she was like we just came back the next day, and it was she was no longer there, and Vince was there. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is not working out. Yeah, and that was I walked in thinking that was my last day, because I was hired to be Carol's assistant, not Vince's. Right. I thought that was my last day. I walked in and and I was like, oh, I recognize him because I just worked with them a couple months before on a very little gig. Okay. Um, and then he said, yeah, I want to keep you on as my assistant. I was like, what? And this is for the, for the video and the tour. You, you don't know yeah. you're going on tour yet or you do? No. Well, we shoot, we, this is for the video. Okay. And we started working on the video and it wasn't until we were on the second day of shooting the video that Madonna on a break between shots pulled me aside with her curlers in her hair and her little robe and everything. And was like, so, so do you want to go on the road? Do you want to tour with me or not? And I was like, I was like, what? I'm like, well, maybe, I guess. What is the, uh, tell me, give me details. Right. She gave me the details. Like, well, I'll have to get back to you. Okay. Yeah. Cause so she already knew probably. Well, she she had, there was another dancer named Kevin, another one uh, who was from New York who then ended up being sent home. Oh, okay. So I ended up replacing him. Because see, I don't, I don't know. You guys know him better than I did. You know. Well, I think his last name was Richardson. No, that's I, that's from Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just fantasizing about Kevin Richardson. I want right? it. 
So, I, yes, there was another guy. There was me, Jose, Slam, and Kevin. Uh, that other Kevin did not was not asked to stay. Get it? Stay. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Um. So he didn't come on tour, but when me and Jose were on our way to Los Angeles, we we already knew that we were choreographing Vogue and the possibility of going on tour. Okay. So, so when right that now whole, it's just you're coming, you just know you're doing the video and that's it. We're doing the video and the possibility of maybe going, you know, going on tour. And so when that whole, car, you know, Carol Armitage thing was happening, we were like, what's happening right now? What are, What's going on? <laughs> right. Because it was your understanding you were yes. going to be choreographing the video. Now, that yeah. being said. Oh, yeah, totally. I appreciate what Carol was trying to do i mean she was literally coming from this modern background that me and jose were used to yes but it wasn't i mean immediately we knew it wasn't what was gonna transpire on the stage right so oh yeah because it was way too avant-garde and the music wasn't just it was just an it just wasn't reflecting that. Yeah. You know, so she's doing one thing and the music is like this other thing. And we were looking at her like, what are, what are you doing? Yeah, this all. doesn't make any sense at all. Because she was eager. She was, so, she was so eager and willing and like her heart was wide open. She wanted to be there, but she was just way out of her depth with she has no time to workshop. It's like, get it done yes. now, go. Yeah. And so I have a good feeling that that idea of I want to put art on stage is a Madonna idea. And I fully and I fully get that, respect right. that. Right. So, of course, let's go for this artful choreographer, which Carol, you know, which Carol was. And so is it just was the wrong pick for that for that project. Yes. Yeah. Because what Carol Armitage was doing is something more avant garde that belongs more on you know, like a dance company, you know, art piece. Right. Instead of this mass. This is you know, a pop song. Yeah, this is a pop song. Yes. Yeah. So that's why, it, you know, that's why they don't really work out with Carol. But then you come in and you have, you know, Vince Patterson, who just did Michael Jackson and all smooth that good criminal, stuff. Smooth uh, criminal. And then we were like, uh, yes, this is more what's going on yes. here. You and know. he's so practical. He, like he's so prepared. Like he he did his research. He obsessed over it. He came in with concepts for every song. He knew he would go off to the production meetings just ready with this is how this theatrical arc has to happen. He approached it like theater in a way that I don't think Madonna had had foreseen. Right. But obviously it fit exactly with what she was looking for. Right. I I, I don't know anybody who could pull that amount of material off by himself in in that amount of time right we were doing one number a day wow and then and, reviewing on the weekend and so are you are you feeling more uh, just comfortable with that relationship as you're still assistant choreographer with him yeah right and you become dance captain are you now feeling like you guys have more of a language that you can me and you know. madonna or me and vince no you and vince oh absolutely yeah vince, vince took me aside and was i mean he really became my mentor in that moment he understood how fresh and young i was and he yeah. I, he never gave me, here's your list of what you need to do. I just filled in wherever, anything he asked of me, 
I just provided here. I need a step for this or find a timing for that. Or let's workshop. Let's find out some moves for this or let's play with some tricks for both. And so I would just, I was literally being kind of a, a dictionary, I guess. If he would say, I need something, a step like this, I would like throw everything out that I could. Yeah. And because I had this sort of wide vocabulary at the time, it really worked well. And he he he, he just really said, you know, that he wanted to help me. He, that he all he also felt very fatherly to me. Like he wanted to like make sure that I was taken care of and that that I you know I don't know. He was just he was always very um, very supportive. And what a great educator! I mean, you'd only at this point been dancing for like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what an awesome opportunity! Oh yeah, you know? Know, everything. I I I credit most of the way I view dance from that little seminal period working with Vince because it was so impactful and not necessarily the way that everybody else saw dance. He approaches dance as a director. So it's about how the eye views the choreography, not how the body feels doing the choreography. Right, which is so important. Such a different yeah. like mindset. And he also is very besides the all the work and background work he does in crafting the the concept and the message of what's going on, he actually puts communication into each movement. Why he does each movement has a, a reason. It's not yes. just I'm giving you a hot sexy dance here, go. He actually has a vocabulary and a whole narrative that's happening within his choreography that maybe it's personal to him. It may not be so obvious to everybody, but it comes out in what he does. And it, it, it lands in a, some sort of very visceral, primitive way into your heart emotionally. It's, it's, it's subtle, yeah. but it's filled with communication and language. And I always see my, I always see dance like that now. I don't see it as this empty void of, I'm just going to dance and groove, get my groove on. I see it as a language. Yeah. So we start rehearsal, and then why do I gravitate to you, Kevin? Because <laughs> I put my juju on you. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you why I gravitate. Angel to Devil. You. Yeah, I tell you why I gravitate to you because me and Jose never seen a person like you before. So, I mean, that's not saying like because you were half Asian, half white, whatever, but there was this aura or, about you that was really foreign mm. for us. Growing up in the Lower East Side, you, we knew what we were getting out of people, right? So it was not that it was a street ghetto thing, but it was just more our people, like we knew our surrounding, our neighborhood, the culture, blah, blah, blah. So when we meet Kevin, it's so foreign for us that we were like, wow, what is this bitch about? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he smiling all the time? What the hell is his problem? This guy's why like is it yeah, why is he wearing socks with his shoes? And why don't his shoes have uh strings in them? And they're like pointy Oxfords. <laughs> My wiggle picker. Yes. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And he's so friendly to us. Yeah. You know, he's like, hey, guys, you want to go here? You want to go there? And we're like, is he serious? Is he, right? He's punking us. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we're so used to a different language, you know, a different just form of communication that when this just bright-eyed, bushy-tailed guy comes out and he's like, hi, let's go get burgers at blah, blah, blah. And we're like. Um, <laughs> sure, girl. <laughs> so it just reminds me of this one story. Kevin picks us up at our hotel and he's driving a car. 
Where are you, where are you guys? Are you in LA? We're in LA. Okay. We're at the Sofitel right across from Beverly Center. The Beverly Center. Yeah. And so he picks us up and then we get in his car and there's a bunch of newspapers in his car because, you know, he reads the newspaper and we don't read the newspaper. <laughs> so I thought it was garbage. Oh. So I proceed to throw the newspaper out the window. Not out the window. On Literally top of it. out the window. Not, but not just. A, it was like the New York Times. Or it was the <laughs> Sunday paper. It was like three inches, four inches thick. I proceed to throw it out the window. You know, and it just flutters all over the it place, windy, right? It was windy. It was blowing everywhere. It like it was like confetti. So you know, oh my God, it's like a special we, effect. We made it celebratory. We're like yes, boo! Like just tossing Beverly Honey, Hills. You know, next thing we heard is whoop whoop. We got pulled over, and that was the first time that I saw Kevin not happy. <laughs> Well, first of all, I was furious coming from Hippie, Oregon. You don't even throw your gum out the window, let alone an entire paper. Yeah. Like, ah, the recycling alone. (laughs) Mortified. Yeah, mortified. I mean, there you go. These two worlds, right? Just kind of colliding. (laughs) And that's why we were like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, what What is wrong with you? You just threw paper out there. You're like, what? Yeah, we're like, what? (laughs) Horrified. To this day, if anyone did that around me now, I'd be like, get out of this goddamn motherfucking car. I go no, pick that well, shit up yeah. piece by piece. Yeah, abs- well, absolutely. <laughs> now, I don't, I mean, that's totally not the case. And if that did happen in my own vehicle, I'd be like, get out uh, yeah, of my right. car. How dare you do that to our planet? You pick every piece of paper up right now. <laughs> uh, but that cop it's, made you do it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the I was cop like, you made me do up. it anyway. He wow. pulled us over and yeah. he was like, did you just throw paper out the window? And I was like, yes, sir, they did. How dare they? I was like, wow, thanks, Pollyanna. Are you old enough to be driving, sir? (laughs) Meanwhile, what is this kid doing driving you guys around? Just just degenerate. Well, that's what I love about this whole story. You know, we got a little bit of taste of truth or dare, but we see all of you guys just thrown together on this, like, this fishbowl. I mean, it's not just yeah. like you're on tour together. You're on the tour. This is massive. It's a world tour. You're traveling all over the world. All of you guys, like, you know, from all these different backgrounds. So what was it like for you, hey, with these with these children? Well, I was, I was obsessed <laughs> with them, first of all. <laughs> I was obsessed. Because like, just like he said, he'd never seen anyone like me. I'd never seen anyone like you. <laughs> right. I was just like, my jaw was just dropped. I mean, all these little, all these things that you guys did that were just so beyond the pale for me. Like <laughs> smoking in a rehearsal room? Or like throwing newspapers out the window? Or talking back to a choreographer? Or like giving that kind of... like. Everything they did was just like, that's impossible. How can they get away with it? Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? Look at how they're dressing. They have such cool style, but it's like nothing I've ever seen here in LA. We've never seen a a bright, shiny penny like him, right? right? So we were like, wow, look at this. He is so good. Where'd he come from? Like literally when Madonna would say, fuck, in any, I would cover my mouth. Right, you like cover your own mouth. Like a geisha. <laughs> I would cover my own mouth. Like the good geisha that he is. <laughs> oh, oh, 
brokenness. Oh, well, I'd turn red. I would turn red because wow. my parents never swore. No one ever at the entire at my school, nothing. No one ever swore. It was, I mean, of course you can't in an English school. Like in Singapore, you just don't. Oh, like, no. Very you don't proper. chew gum. Like, you don't, your hair isn't long. Like, you cut your hair. Like, that's the kind of strict kind of thing. You don't, right. really don't swear. And so, having her around suddenly just swearing all the time, I was just like blushing constantly. But for real, like, yeah. it really hadn't hit me. And then these boys, and they're, they're swearing, but the fuck everything's about the fuck this. <laughs> yeah. And oh I was obsessed. I was also, I mean, I was also very questioning at the time. So I, I had a girlfriend. I'd just broken up with her. And I was, I was attracted to guys, but I didn't, certainly didn't know what a relationship with a guy was. I didn't, I had kissed a guy and I, it just was not right because I wasn't attracted to him. It was more like my friend and brother. Right. So right. I was like, not my really, not my real brother. <laughs> it was like a brother. So it felt really weird kissing him. And I was like, oh, well, I must not be gay. And so for a long time, that really confused me because I was like, I, Guess I'm not gay because that just did yeah. not feel right at all. Right. Now, sex, okay, maybe I'm just horny. You know, maybe I'm just a horny guy that I'm interested in, in guys, whatever. Um, so watching them, I was like, well, is this what it means to be gay? <laughs> is this is this what I is this what I will become or is this what I need to be to be gay? Is this that world? And I was just like, I, I also I watched you obsessed with who you were being and who you were, but also in the sense of like, is this me? Is this uh, do right. I you know, am I, am I, do I join in on this and become part of this? Do I morph into some of this? And it wasn't until we were on tour around the world and seeing just people around the world who happen to be gay that I realized it has nothing to do with becoming something that you aren't. It's just, you are you and plus gay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Many That's different it. shades of That's gay. That's it. Right. Every, it just, it just, it's just like having brown hair. Yeah. It's just a thing. That's it, you know. But I was watching you guys so intently, always. Your mannerisms, how you dressed, how you talked, what you did, how you walked, how you related to each other, you know. I, I, I loved your friendship, how close you guys were. I don't think I'd ever been that close to anybody because I'd always been traveling. And so I never had the opportunity to get that tight with somebody. And so I was just, I mean, I, I admired that so much to see how close you were. It was... Um... It was a moment, you know, it was, uh, it was awesome. I mean, we'll never. <clears throat> yeah. To be so young yeah, and to, to experience so, that yeah. with your fr- friend that you, for, you know, childhood and to and have for me, this together. Yeah. And for me personally, just for me, because I can't speak for Jose, it was fascinating. You know, my world was also opening up because I knew this limited thing, right? Right. And so it was ball culture for me. It was, you know, my high school, it was dance, but it was all very, you know, specific, specific in the area. So coming here and it's like sunny California. Now there's palm trees. Now there's this, you know, this human being in front of me that is bright and shiny and totally different than what we're used to. Yeah. Oh God. And we just teased everybody. You know, all the time, all the time, because <laughs> they weren't us. Right. Because we didn't know any better. So, yeah. of course, we gave everybody side. eye, like <laughs> just mean girls. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. We see a little bit. You know, we see some of that in the, right. in the movie, but secretly, in the film. but secretly wanting wanting something of what they had. Right. Because it only broadened our experience, our scope. Absolutely. So we hung out with, you know, we hung out with Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. We hung out with Kevin. You know, 
whether we thought he was granola or not, right? <laughs> or as cool or whatever yes. at that moment in time. But we hung out with him because he re- represented this broadening of our scope. Right. This new idea, right? Because, you know, he was different. What is it like when you're on tour? Are you, you mentioned having, is it fun? Does it get like, you know, you guys are working. I mean, it how long? Like six work. months? Was it, it six months? Four and a half, five. Mm-hmm. Four and a half months. Plus, well, then plus the MTV Awards and stuff like that. Yes. But all it was of, all over the world. Did it ever feel like. Well, when we were working, we were working. I, yeah. That's what I'm grateful for. And I'll just speak for myself. That's what I'm grateful for that I had the wherewithals that when it was time to work, we were working, you know, and because we were doing our passion, right? It really doesn't feel like work because we're expressing ourselves. So yes, when it was fun, it was fun. Like not working, we were having a ball. And for me, trying to get as much of the world in as possible, because I didn't know if I was going to be touring again or whatever if this right. was going to happen to me you know again so <clears throat> it's a very demanding show yes because i just 19 saw numbers <laughs> yes and then you have this number with um gabe and, and oliver. oliver where you're doing flips and it's a four car- minute what? number and at the end the last minute of the number is literally she goes off to change clothes and then we have to flip and hip mm-hmm. hop and roll on the ground and jump and at the end of the number. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's oh a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. yeah. My my heart was stressed. And, <laughs> yes, in front of thousands of people. So what does that feel like? You're, you know, you you haven't been dancing that long. This is your first tour. And you're out on the stage with people who are like going crazy. And at this point, I think as the tour goes on, they start to know you guys. You know, you're probably hearing Louis and Kevin. And I mean, what does that feel like? Uh, it was unexpected. Yeah. Unexpected. Uh, certainly after Japan, which was everybody sitting down and clapping quietly because they weren't allowed to stand up. You know. Oh and, my God. Yeah. <laughs> they, they would literally have to sit in their seats. Um, it was it was unexpected. I didn't yes. expect the fans in the U.S. and Europe to be so crazy. So Japan was first. Japan was first. We were there for like a month, so we had a good amount of time to sort of practice the set and, yeah. and get a sense of what's going on and get to know each other. Um, but by the time we got to the U.S., that first show blew me away. It was just electric. The people screaming and the energy and um, I I was I think I was so focused on being professional all the time. I always felt like. I think maybe even from going to Singapore and even from going to live in Oregon sort of on my own, yeah. this sense of responsibility and that I had to stay focused and stay responsible. And so even in the middle of it, I never really allowed myself to sort of disappear and like let go completely because I always felt responsible to my professionality to make a good show. What I did start letting go was when I did start letting go a little bit was when I really just started letting myself just perform and not think about it as the job, but think about it as the expression. And that's when I really got addicted to it because that sense of disappearing into the, into the piece and disappearing into the work and being part of a a unified message that gave me everything. That's, that's where I finally really felt fulfilled in my life. Not doing those essays in Singapore, not learning biology and going on. None of that gave me this sense of, of satisfaction and fulfillment that this did. And I've chased that yeah. <laughs> for the rest of my life. 
Did you have a favorite piece? Favorite number? Yeah, favorite Keep number. Keep it together. It felt, I felt connected to everybody in that number. And I felt like we, we also knew our energy level of up and down throughout the end, throughout the show. You had to save some of your energy here and there to make it through some of these numbers, or at least I did. By the time we got to keep it together, we had had a minute to rest. Vogue was really chill. Holiday was super chill. So we had the energy and we had the connection. We knew it was, the show was over. We knew we just blew their minds. And to be out there on stage and be kind of a little, little dirty, a little, you know, clockwork orangey. Mm-hmm. It, it felt good. It felt a little devious because we felt a little devious because yeah. <laughs> we knew we were fucking with people on stage. We're like, nah, get this. How about right. now? <laughs> My favorite was um, the ballet piece after Papa Don't Preach. Oh, beautiful. I just love that. Yeah. I just because it was only well because it was only us right oh yeah so it was only the boys on stage doing their thing and i just i just loved that connection that piece yeah you got to do that different kind of because yeah because you know we were bored in you know we were brought in as you know the vogers right yep so we got to express what we were training for exactly you know our lives which is ballet modern right so we got to express that moment on that with kevin and gabriel and all of them so that was my favorite part i love that moment too right yes it was such a good it was such a good so beautiful so So oh i'm sorry go ahead so you know there's a movie yes being filmed at the time uh it comes out Truth Dare comes out what a year uh, after yes. the tour? Basically like a year. It was like February following this we were the summer tour and it was like the February, March after. Okay. Yeah. So you see the movie. Yeah. And you think, what? Um <laughs> Well, I think why haven't they paid me? Yes. Yes. <laughs> what was in my contract for a movie? Uh-huh. Um I it was nerve wracking because you know it was this. It was a different different time, and everybody, the whole, all the press was Madonna and her gay dancers. Yep. It was like okay. First of all, it was just a at the time it was kind of just a job for me. So now it's becoming this promotional thing, which I'm not necessarily ready for. I had, didn't even really know myself because I said like at the time I was questioning, so I was just discovering if it was right for me or if that's what I felt really. And by the time the movie came out, I, I knew. So when it, when she was saying Madonna or gay dancers, my concern was not really about like, am I gay or not? My concern was like, well, is this going to affect my job opportunities? Is this going to affect who I am out in the world? Am I, is my career over as it begins? Because it was very much like that. Because when a brand or an artist wants to then work with you, at that time, if you are then known as the gay, whatever, blah, 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 they are signing on to you to that yes and all that that entails and now that's not a big deal but back then it was all tied up with aids and being you know being you know basically murderers they could treat you often treated like a murderer yeah Yeah. or or dangerous and not to mention even the the association now madonna's dancers like you become really associated with her with her absolutely tour and that style you know whatever that is it has its own thing well michael jackson didn't take me on tour because i was too much of her dancer oh see they Yes. That's why we didn't get Janet, because we were the Madonna dancers. That's yeah. crazy. 
Yeah. Yes. So it's true. I mean, people do get really possessive right. about dancers. And even though they're, you're not on retainer for the rest of your life, you're not getting residuals out of it. Exactly. But they kind of identify you as that. And it's weird 30 some years later being identified as that you know, still, yeah. I mean, I love it. It's great. It's yeah. amazing. The impact we made, but it's so strange having this 30 year career and like, wait, but <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of other things. So you didn't plan on being an entertainer, but you've become this dancer, singer, and actor, what we call a triple threat. Ew. So we'll get into the music, but one of the movies you've uh, been in, in addition to Newsies, the birdcage with moi, <laughs> Rent, Sister Act 2, Charlie's Angels, and the infamous Showgirls. What was your experience making that film? Showgirls? Yes, because uh. it became such a cult like hit for some reason. For a movie that wasn't, uh, I'll just say, Oscar-worthy. Yes, so my question, right? like, when you guys were making it... Did you know like what was happening? Well, most of our scenes were all dance related and our, yeah. our dance the dance was killing it. So right. we just yeah. thought it was fabulous. Like we got all this great dance on camera and you know, our little moments with, with them were were great. Uh, I mean, we obviously had some inkling because some of <laughs> our lines were so tragic and we couldn't change a word. Like literally we couldn't st- change a single word. Um but we couldn't really see most of her scenes by herself. Yes. Um, so we just kind of tr- had to trust in our director and everything, which um, I was so excited to do it because it was one of my one of my first times I actually got to choose my role. He offered me my my choice of these three roles. And um, it was daunting because just before we actually shot, like started shooting, we were done with rehearsals. We were on stage showing the producers uh, the number, the opening number for Goddess. And we ran across the stage and the stage broke through under my feet. Oh no. And my foot went plunging into the lava and like scraped up all oh across my. those fiberglass rocks. And I had twisted both my ankles and Whoa. cut my toes all apart. And this is the day before we started shooting. Oh, uh, wait, what happened? It was a little stressful. Um, they obviously didn't want me to sue cause they I, we weren't supposed to be dancing on it. Uh, so they brought my boyfriend out, uh, and had him sort of nurse me. I took the first like day and a half off. I wrapped everything. I did some, I went right back in really. I just stayed off of it for two days and wrapped everything and kept going. Oh my goodness gracious. It's like, I want this goddamn gig. <laughs> yes. Oh, right. which, no, which, it, it was supposed to, I mean, it was billed like as a, it was a big movie. It was a big film. Well, it had a famous director. It was director. $65 million. Yeah. Yes. That was huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. It still hasn't made its money back. That's why I'm not getting good residual. <laughs> That is too funny. Paul Verhoeven, right? Director. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people were like, oh, this is going to be good because this director is hot, you know? And so. uh, And the hottest screenwriter and writer in the world, the highest paid ever. It was like the highest paid script in history. Oh, that's right. Joe Joe Esterhaus, right? Five million dollars or something for that script. Yes. So it was like, this is going to be major. Yeah. It was the end of the writers. (laughs) Because once he lost that, it was like they had no leg to stand on when it came to the negotiations. Uh, And so all of the industry started moving towards reality TV after that. Wow. Because of those high paid scripts. Thanks, Joe. Was it fun making it? Were Were you guys having a good time, actually? I mean, you can't help but have a good time wandering around in your you know, thong and nipple pasties and, <laughs> and yeah. glitter well, strips. Right. I mean, it was more like slap happy insanity. 
you know, if you see some of the backstage footage, you'll see us being pretty, pretty insane, uh, which you will see fairly soon in the new Showgirls documentary, no. Showgirls Goddess. Ooh. No, really. Yes. Jeffrey Schwartz. Ooh, I can't wait. Uh, yes. Movie night. Yes. Yes. So when you first, when did you first see it? I saw it in New York, uh, the new sort of the New York premiere. Um, I brought David LaChapelle with me to see it. Uh, and we were sitting right behind Robin, the X-rated, like sort of whatever that. Robin Bird. Robin Bird. Thank you. Yes. We were sitting right behind her. And um, it was, you could see a lot of shocked faces in the crowd. And then when they got to the rape scene and Gina came out and stumbling on the ground. I mean, that was still shocking to this day. Yeah. She literally said, oh, my God, that's it. I'm out. Like, And she stood up. Her whole no. entourage left. No. Oh, yeah. They were like, like loudly and vocally like, that's it. Enough. Really? Yeah. We're out. Yeah. So the after what party, did, uh... everybody's just like, um. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, it's a little shocking. <laughs> David was like, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I he loves camp, so. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's, that's. Yeah, I still didn't realize how the real response to it, you know, because I was actually left right after uh, to Italy. So I really didn't get to see. And it, over there, they love that kind of thing. So it was scandalous and fun. and Because it's like a soap opera. Yeah, they were totally into that's That's like their normal TV. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so that I mean, they have a porn star in, in the Senate, you know. Yes. It's reality over there. Well, it became, it's one of those things. It's like, are we? can we laugh now? It's like Mommy Dearest. You know, it was supposed yeah. to be this serious film. And then you're like, I don't think that's what ended up happening. No. Yes. But it became but such a cult it. hit. Yes. We love it for all its coatiness. <laughs> I love it more now. I love it through the eyes of the fans right. more now than, than when I first saw it. Well, I'm sure it took a little bit of distance from like, okay, this is not the movie we thought we were making. Right. Yes. Yeah. And now we can revel in the the joys of the cheesiness. Yeah. I mean, she did her homework. That's the thing. She was just hanging out with the with some really crazy strippers. So she did her homework and she was just modeling herself off of some crazy strippers. Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. Like she went and hung out with them backstage and everything. That Rogue Romeo. Tell us about Rogue Romeo, which is your musical persona. Yeah, it's my musical persona. Um, years ago, I had a, um, an, uh, an album contract in Italy where they wouldn't let me sing in the end. They were trying to like strong arm me to giving, giving them other jobs unrelated to the music. And I said, no. And then they used that against me and said, you're not going to, you're going to sing what I want, when I want, where I want and how I want. And then they blocked me completely well, from singing that? anything. I don't understand how that would ha- it was horrible. happen. Well, they had my contract and they wanted me to give them a musical director like credit on this other TV show we were doing. Ah, okay. And when we were like, just focus on the album, he was like, I'm going to make you do whatever I want. And it just stopped me dead in the water. And right. I, I, it was a sore spot for me. And I, I let it sit there for many years, like, you know, that sort of lost opportunity, that lost moment of something I really, really, really wanted and didn't get. Uh, and then sort of the, the, the time of self-promotion came around. Right. And I realized, you know what, I can do this myself. And if I don't do it, I think it's going to be my life's biggest regret. Right. Not that I'm going to make the most amazing music, but I have something to say. And until I get that out of my system and express that, it's it's going to block me. It's so weird. They didn't want you to sing. I don't understand. What did they want you to do? It was just control. They wanted... they Rap? 
No, they just no, no. They didn't want. They wanted to control my voice completely. Oh. and and just block me from doing anything. If you're not going to do that for me, I'm going to stop you from doing anything. Oh, right. Geez. So they really wanted to be the architects of the whole project. Yeah, and, and I think in the end, I don't think you really believed in us that much. Anyways, we were just so popular that we had a fan base that was kind of asking for it. Yeah, and this is you and Luca Tomasini. Me and Luca Tomasini off in Italy. Ugh. I live. <laughs> live for you and Luca. So were you always singing? When did you actually start singing? Because you can sing. Um, well, Kevin can sing. Contrary to my mom's beliefs. I <laughs> Shut up, it. Kevin. Stop it. <laughs> um, I really lived with thinking that I couldn't sing at all for many, many, many years. And then it wasn't until we did Newsies that they gave me the opportunity to sing on the soundtrack. Right. That I really realized, oh, I have a range. Yeah. I can actually sing. I didn't have any instincts in terms of like improv or anything, but... Uh, it was then during uh, during Newsies, and then uh, we had actually. Oh, you know what? Actually, just before we went, I won Star Search, uh, and we actually sang one of our songs, and that was Hint and Battle saying, "You guys need to do music, and you need to sing one of your own songs." And so we went into the studio, and it was hideous. So you guys oh were as a dance group, you as a dance, dance group, group. Okay. but we just to like you know get our, another foot in the door right. in a different direction. We actually got a little uh, a little deal with Capital for a second to like try a couple tracks with right. MC Hammer's producers of all things. Oh my God. I know, us with MC Hammer's producers. <laughs> uh, anyways, we thought we were, we went up to record it then. We thought we were gonna sing something that they had already written and they, we were actually going up to record something and write something and we were totally unprepared. You're like, oh, uh, we're actually supposed to like, right. supposed where's to my song? Yeah. Where's my song? And I was like, oh, okay. Is um, this the writer's room? Where are the writers at? Yeah, it was a big, it was a fiasco. Oh no. Yeah. So it took a while to come back to took the a, singing. Yes. Well, it wasn't until I was in Italy on television that I was the only one speaking English. Right. And so when they had English songs and stuff, they would ask me to sing them. Right. And then I would dance and sing and all this stuff. And it went over really, really well. And we had some beautiful singers on the on the on the show, and they they kind of coached me and and guided me, and they wanted me to write in English because nobody there was writing in English. So they would hand me songs and say, write lyrics in English. And I was like, ah, this is a dream. <laughs> what was your inspiration for the name? Uh, it was free association, really. I literally wrote down all these words and adjectives that I thought described something heartfelt for me that spoke to me and I wrote literally a couple pages of words and I literally pulled them together and there was something about the alliteration of it that the repetition of the R's and you know something about it being separate and not an actual name but like something right um that allowed me to sort of divorce it from myself and my personality and and let it become an artistic project on its own rather than something that's tied to me and my ego right and I thought in that way you know I I thought that would, would would allow me more more leeway to be fantastical and to be think outside of myself. But in the end, what it all it ended up doing is giving me freedom to be even more intensely personal, and really share uh, things that I probably wouldn't share if it was just my name because I have something to show with my name. But if it's this art project, I can be more uh, intimate. Yes, and you guys, KevinStay.com. You can go and hear the. The music. It's that rogue Romeo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, at that rogue Romeo dot com. Yeah. Romeo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Why am I having trouble saying Romeo today? Romeo. That rogue Romeo. And I live. I saw a performance of you as that rogue Romeo that one time at. Oh, that one time. That one time. Oh, at, at, um, that club. at arena. 
Yeah. At Arena. Oh, and I did Wonderland. Yeah. As Wonderland. It was so good. Thank you. And of course, Kevin can pull from a wealth of dancers. So all his dances were fabulous. And just the performance. And it really was, for me, an art installation that was like with music, right? So it was really artistic and expressive. And I, just, I, I really loved it. I really, really loved it. And you looked so comfortable in that vibration that I was like, you better go freaking Kevin stay. <laughs> Shit. I'm not mad at you today. <laughs> Dying. And then of course, you know, I love you and you're my brother. So I was like, yes. Work. Yeah. Such a fan. I, I love I it when people I don't know discover my music or even don't know my background in other areas and then discover my music and, and the two people. Yeah. Yeah. Those two people that called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, it has to be my brother. And then it's got to be a little dose of shade to, but you know, on the, on the, on the, the flip. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about re like writing something that really comes from the heart and expressing it, uh, musically that I, I don't get from dance. Yeah. You know, people understand what I'm an, a communication from my dance, right. but they don't really get to hear my heart. I'm in always interpreting something else, exactly. you know, and this is my work. It's my words, my work, my music uh and so it, it does mean a lot more to me than than any dance job i've ever done do you yeah. think you'll make more music oh yeah 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 definitely recently you've been singing with perry farrell yes and the kind love. heaven orchestra which is awesome how did you start working with perry um well that came from etty his wife used to be a dancer she still dances um but she was a scholarship at edge and, uh, of course, back in the day, every Asian person knew every Asian person in the dance world. Because right. we, we always ended up, you know, in the same calls and dancing yeah. together. We're, we're, all, the if, and, we're yeah. all in the if video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. The ten of you. <laughs> well, she, uh, she got pregnant with Perry and told Perry... Uh, our kids are going to look just like Kevin Stay. And he's like, who it. the fuck is Kevin Stay? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so years later, we, we finally met. And he's like, oh, I get it. You're Kevin Stay. And, and we became friends. And um, it, it's moved its way into a work relationship last year. That's awesome. Yeah. But you guys, you were in a Jane's Addiction video. Yeah. That's, years yes. Ago. You know yeah. what? You know what that setup was that I was in London with Strike a Pose. And wandering around the city randomly, and they were like, "We're in London too. Come perform with us on stage right now. Like, don't even go home. Like, just walk on stage. Come, come and dance freestyle to this random song you've never heard." Oh, that's right. So I did. I went to London. I went to the the, the show. I got backstage. I was wearing something that was a surprisingly appropriate. Right. Uh, and then jumped up on stage and did a whole seven minute improv with the band, like dancing around and interpreting their song. And they really grooved on it. And from that moment on, they were like, "Oh, let's." Kevin's interesting and he, he vibes with our with our band and he has the right you know intention and I'm a rock guy so for me like that's just heaven yeah I love like pop is fun but rock and roll oh my god live so you guys have been touring like the past year are you guys still going to do more dates yeah we are we kind of an uh, I don't know when exactly we head back out I know we do is it announced yeah oh it is announced we can we're doing um uh, the Lollapaloozas in South America. So we're doing Chile, uh, Sao Paulo, and Buenos Aires. Opening for Guns N' Roses. Get oh my out! Goodness. Uh, That's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> mind I blown, it. mind blown. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So, Kevin, so speaking of A, I mean, you have been dancing now for 
30 years? Oh, God. Right? It's been a 30-year career. <laughs> yes, thanks for calling me out. <laughs> we started dancing when you were five. Okay. Right. It's, true, it's true. It. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What do you attribute your longevity to? Like staying in it for so yes. long? Joy. I do it for the joy. Yeah. It, it really is. I've realized, I choreograph and, you know, creative direct and all these things, but it doesn't hold the same joy for me that dance does. Dance, there's something about family, youth, sharing this language with, with other people and interpreting someone else's vision and um, letting that communication speak through my body. There's something really joyful and, and I get to sort of disappear into that. And I really, I love it. I, and I don't know who I am without it. There's been many times where I'm like, I should stop right now and do this and do that and do something else because that's what everybody else is doing. And I'm like, you know what? That's not truthful to myself. That's not honoring, you know, what has me dance in the first place. Right. Um, it's not, it's not about ego anymore. It's not about, I need one more thing on my resume because I have all of it. I just, I enjoy the, the youthful energy, the expression. I enjoy, I enjoy when people trust in my skills. <laughs> you know, I don't like running out to like big giant cattle calls, but if somebody calls me, I'm so honored to share what I have and, and, and any piece of me that I can. I love, I love teamwork. Yeah. I think it comes through. Like when you're in any project, like you see your face, you're like, Oh, well, you can see Kevin. the joy. Yeah. You can, you can see, see the it. joy yeah. in his face. Yeah. There was a photograph from this last performance you did with Taylor Swift and it just encapsulates just the light and the joy that you bring to any project that you're involved with because that picture of your face is just a you know it's a smile and it's not like a fake you know i'm on stage smile it's like this vibration that's coming off of this image They're like yes <laughs> you know and i'm like fucking kevin i live i just live look at that face yeah. just joyous and he's just in this moment he's in this moment and it's almost like it's borderline in a good way, like selfish, because it's just like, this is so joyous for me. Like I'm in this, this is, this is me. But at the same time, it's just all about, like you said, the, you know, the team, the project, the you know, the group effort and all of that comes through on your face in this image. It's so fabulous to see. Well, I think now more than ever, literally more than ever in my life, I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful to be here, to be able to do what I'm doing, to still be able to get on stage, to still have these opportunities. I mean, I know I'm a dinosaur. I know that most people don't get these kind of calls and opportunities. And um, I don't think I was as grateful early on, maybe because I just thought, well, it's temporary. It's not going to last. You know, nobody really values me by it. It's not really having an impact. It's just this ephemeris sort of performance that disappears into the ether because back then we didn't have everything to look back on online and you know right. get responses from everybody talking about it, how amazing it was or whatever. It was just you do it and it was a paycheck. You got by, got to see friends, got to work out, do something fabulous for a minute for that little audience. And then it was done. Right. And I was too focused on, I think, getting somewhere, surviving I'm more present now than I ever have been. Yeah. I mean, that is the beauty about aging and getting older is that there's that whole thing. I think you just feel gratitude for things that you tend to take for granted when you're younger. Like, yeah. oh, this is just, you know, you feel like you're going to live forever when you're 25. When we 
me and Kim started uh, to kind of toss around names about who, who we wanted to interview on this podcast. Of course, your name came up and we really wanted to speak to you about the Great Walls Project because that seems to be a project that's really, really near and dear to your heart. Talk to us about that. For Great Walls Project, um, I took a trip with my father to China and asked him who he is and asked him to tell me all these stories of China where he grew up, uh, but in China, because he had never really shared any of these stories with me previously. And I realized that he's old and he's not going to be around much longer. And if I don't ask, I'm never going to know. That, that's, that knowledge is going to die with him. And in that process, I can get to know him uh, on a level that I never knew before because I didn't grow up with him. Um, and most of our relationship was just, uh, here's Thanksgiving and here's Christmas and hi, hi, how are you doing, Dad? Great. That's it. And I wanted more than that. I certainly wanted to make the effort to, to try and make our relationship more than that. Uh, and boy, it worked. Um, it, it's the single greatest uh, step I've taken in my life towards knowledge, self-knowledge, uh, standing for family. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. It was dramatic and traumatic. I wasn't like, oh, yay, cute, here we go, it's cute little stories. It didn't turn into that. It turned into this great big codependent, their codependent relationship really like took center stage. Um, and literally to this day, I have, you know, we were, there's some issues between all of us and I, I don't get to see him that much anymore. And I, but I realized as we left China, I love him more. I, God, I love him more. I love him so much more for the real him. I have so much compassion for him though. And I know, I know what he's going through and what he's, he lives in. And, um, I like him less. I love him more. Yes. And, and it, maybe that's kind of why he's trying that. to keep those things, keep a lot of that away from you, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I've, it's been, a, it's difficult. It's been difficult to finish because we've had, uh, first of all, I didn't have any post-production money uh, and I didn't want to learn the editing, all that stuff by myself. I wanted somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I had somebody on there and dropped off on there and dropped off. And it's just, it's been very difficult. I really want to complete I do want to complete it. Uh, it's just, I don't also want to be the editor I don't want to be in it, the director, producer, and yeah. the editor. Like, I feel like then it's propaganda. Then it's just me, 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 me. And it, I don't want this to be me, 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 me. I want this to be bigger than that. I need another eye. Is there a place where your fans, the people listening can go and just kind of keep up with the status of this film? Like on KevinStay.com or calling that, me out. I got <laughs> I really Ro I, Romeo. I, we want this film finished, Kevin. Thank you. Um I actually really appreciate that. Um yeah. it's easy for me to not see it in my in my vision at the moment because yes. there's so many other things going on. Yes. Uh but yes, the I would just say and follow me anywhere on like my on my Facebook, my Instagram. It's all just Kevin Stay, my name. Um you know, the second I have anything, I will I'll definitely share it share it along because yeah. i am i am proud of it and there's some really important conversations even if i just shared you know a couple of these conversational moments i mean there's some deep stuff well kevin god thank you so much for coming and doing this and i really i mean you know how i feel for you you are 
just an amazing person to me. I call you my brother. I feel that you're my brother. And I know, you know, I'm not going to go on and on about it because I'll start to get emotional about it. But you know how I feel about you. I love you too, my brother. Yes, I love you. And thank you so much for coming and speaking to us. Yes, anytime. Always a pleasure. Well, this has been another episode of work. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe, all them things, right, Kimmy? All them things. Now play one of my songs. Yeah. <laughs> right? Let's do it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.